I'm good. I'm good. Fine. Fine. <laughs> you, somehow that came off defensive. Oh, it wasn't. I didn't mean it to be defensive. I'm just. All questions are an assault on your consciousness. Kind of. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's like mm-hmm. I'm talking to my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so you admit it. No, I'm fine. I mean, on the other side of the laptop is Skeeter. The true host of this show. Not like on the other, you know, on the literal, I'm talking, on the other side of the laptop is you, in one sense. On the other side of the laptop, in (laughs) one sense, is Skeeter. Oh, missed the call from Grunge Girl. I'm home alone. That's the big... Oh. Yeah. That's cool. We just got a bunch of cordwood delivered. Nice. For your stove or for something else? Oh, for the wood stove. Nice. I guess this is the season to get it delivered, so you have it ready for the winter. Exactly, yep. Is it cured already, or you need to stack it so it can cure over the warm season? It's not cured. I'm going to stack it. Wow, nice. It'll probably be cured enough to You have a good wood pile situation, a shed or something? We have a sweet shed situation. Dope. That was a big part of living on the forest was cutting all of our firewood with a chainsaw and stacking it so it could cure. Yep. Which was pretty cool. I mean, it was like a really laborious process, but it was also pretty cool. Got a new flower to identify with my wildflower book. Ooh. What is it? I have no idea. Need to identify it. Oh, you haven't identified it yet. Yes, yes. But it has a lot of radial white petals and alternate thin leaves. We'll find out. I'll keep you posted. Great. That's the real ongoing saga of this podcast, identifying Michael's wildflowers. How are you, Hava? How am I? Yeah, how are you, Hava? (laughs) Uh, I'm good. I'm a little sleepy right now. I was just taking a nap, a very rare occasion, as you know. Yeah, that's very rare. Yeah, it's been sort of a weird day. Normally, my days are front-loaded with things to do, and then I veg out in the evening. But today, all my stuff like this was sort of in the second half of the day. But I'm not very good at like doing things in the other way around. Like I'm not very good at using my morning to relax and then my evening to work because I'm like, well, work is coming up. I can't get involved in anything. <laughs> I can't begin any tasks right now. All right, so you're a little sleepy. Yeah, a little sleepy, but but overall good. I had a really nice day hanging out with a friend yesterday, ate some tasty food and watched a movie with a friend. And yeah, so basically having like a pretty cozy and nice time, but also just fresh from the arms of the nap queen. Michael, did you do your homework? Oh, I did do my homework. I did. All right, great. So we can begin our grand experiment. Yes. Today's the first day of our talking about Russian Doll experiment. We are discussing Russian Doll season one, episode one. Michael, what'd you think? Oh, it was funny. Yeah, it is funny. It is funny. Should we do what, like, general thoughts first or summary first? Let's give a quick summary. Okay. Okay, my summary is Natasha Lyonne plays a software engineer who is kind of miserable. Uh, wait, is that reading too much into it? Let me just give you the facts. I'll give you the facts. <laughs> I mean, we can read into it. We can say whatever we want. Natasha Leone, software engineer, at a birthday party thrown by her friends. Mm-hmm. She leaves the birthday party with a guy who she's going to bang. Who sucks. Who totally sucks. He's the worst. We'll talk a lot about how he's the worst. That's like the most part of the episode I'm so fixated on. But she's not really, you know, she kind of sucks too. Like her character. Yeah. Sucks. But she's Natasha Leone, so she can do anything. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely noticed first things first in the episode, she's like a little bit shitty to everyone around her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sucks. She's pushing people away. That's a really big, important part of her character is keeping her distance. Yeah, it, it has the Seinfeld or girls phenomenon where the main character is not someone you're really supposed to like. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But maybe you feel some feels for them. We'll see. Right. But anyway, after sending the guy home, because I think she gets like a work text and needs to code. Yeah. And also she's sick of him. <laughs> that was the subtext to me. Yep. Yep. She runs out of cigarettes, goes to the bodega in the process, sees her cat in the park, crosses the street. Which has been lost from the beginning of the episode. That is right. Crosses the street, gets hit by a car, dies wakes up back in the bathroom and the party right thus setting up the premise of the show which is that she's in a sort of groundhog day situation and then she dies maybe one more time yeah she goes through the loop again and she tries to prevent it and so she goes and ends up sitting like out on the pier or something and she's like okay like i did it i got my cat like, whatever was happening, that's all over. But then the cat disappears. And the cat disappears, and she falls into the water and drowns and restarts the loop. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so there's basically two fantastical things going on. One is that she's doing the Groundhog's Day thing. And the other more subtle thing is that this cat is disappearing and reappearing. And that's mm-hmm. contributing to her stressful situations within each of the times she goes through the day. Right. And things are being set up for future plot threads, but we won't discuss that. We'll just take each episode as it comes. Okay, great. Yeah, I think that's basically the show. I mean, the episode. Yeah, I mean, well, we'll see. We'll continue to explore that. So, Michael, what did you think? I thought it was funny. I thought uh, it was very dark, very dark humor. Like, the first Mm -hmm. joke out of the gate is a 9-11 conspiracy joke. Oh, is it? What is is the joke? Her friend who's throwing the party is like a 22-year-old kind of ditzy lesbian who's Mm -hmm. dating like the older lesbian. Right. Natasha's like, does that 22-year-old, like, do you even know what 9-11 is? And then the older one turns to Natasha and says, does anyone really know what 9-11 is? (laughs) I was just thinking one of the things that I noticed this time around watching episode one is the show bagels you right at the beginning. For those of you who don't know, bageling is when you, a Jew, think someone else might be a Jew. And so you casually drop something. You casually say, oi, or you casually mention your plans for Yom Kippur. You like casually slip something Jewish in the conversation to see if they react. Oh, yeah, that's called bageling someone, trying to detect if they're Jewish via casual utterance. And one of the first things this happens in the show, she comes out of the bathroom where the show begins and where a lot of important plot points take place. And her friend, the 22-year-old lesbian, whose name is Maxine, who's throwing the party, whose apartment we're at, offers her a joint and she says it's laced with coke just like the Israelis do it. Yeah, I do remember that line, but is that really bageling? Is that bageling? I think it's a very subtle bageling. That's what makes it such a brilliant bagel. It only, like, strikes you if you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Maxine isn't Jewish. No, but the show is bageling us. The show is saying, I'm going to have some Jewish themes in me, okay? So think about that. Okay, so, Hava, I I, I want to cut to the chase. I want to ask you this. <laughs> okay. Okay, the show is, is very funny. It's very dark. Uh-huh. Lots uh-huh. of little Jewish jokes and references. Certainly things I can relate to. Russian Jewish immigrant, software engineer, 
generally being miserable. There's a lot of like, like life is garbage and a big giant joke. Lots of mm-hmm. dark Jewish stuff going on. But why, why this show for <laughs> you, Hava? Why, why, why this show? This show, as opposed to any of the other shows out there that you know are similar. How is this show unique, Hava? I want to know. Yeah. So one of the things is Natasha Leone herself who is a, I believe, a Hungarian Jew, and she had a very complicated relationship with her Jewishness growing up, very complicated relationship with her parents. You know, like like many Jews our age out there, has like a very messy relationship with Jewishness and Judaism. And it really comes through in this show, which she is involved in creating, not just acting in. So part of it is that... To me, it is clear in the art that she is working on and also like making available to us some of her struggle and some of her relationship with Judaism. Like she is sort of like letting us into her little world. Her character's name is Nadia. I don't think she and Nadia are like a one-to-one self-insert of each other. But I think that the themes of the show as we explore are really allowing us a personal window into her own experience and spirituality. And I think that's really fascinating. Okay. For two, I think the show, because of that reason, contains a lot of Jewish themes. I'll bring in some text in just a second, but the other thing that gets mentioned explicitly in this episode that's Jewish is that we learn that Maxine's apartment, where the party is happening, used to be a yeshiva. Yes. Yep. And at one point, Nadia speculates that she might be going through this Groundhog Day shit because they're partying in a yeshiva. There's some kind of like haunted shit going on. Right, right. The first time around, she just acknowledges that the building used to be a yeshiva just as a way to make conversation with someone. And the second time around, she's like, isn't it kind of weird that we're having a party in a yeshiva? Right. And this may to you feel like overworking the source material but i really don't think it is just because as the show goes on it becomes i feel like more and more symbol driven more and more sort of like impressionistic you know they're like her life her crisis is happening literally in like the abandoned shell of a certain kind of jewish culture associated with her parents generation right yeah yeah. she is like literally having this experience inside sort of cultural ruins and that's an intentional choice, I think, especially as you, you know, as I watch this show, I sort of gained a respect for the intentionality that goes into what happens on the screen. And so I don't think that's just like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be an interesting point if this happened in Yeshiva? I think there was some some thought there. OK, so the so the, the whole episode, for the most part, is taking place in this abandoned Yeshiva and mm-hmm. everyone is just doing decadent things. And at one point, like one of the people in the lesbian couple is making out with someone else in the bathroom and it goes totally unacknowledged. It's like not a big deal. There's a lot of decadent sexual stuff going on. and mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you really want to get super galaxy brain about it, we can even link in the Israeli joint piece, right? It's like the Israeli joint is like a symbol of a different kind of Jewish culture, which has now taken the place, like which now 
lives within the corpse of the old Jewish culture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be, get very big brain about this show. Okay, okay, okay. I, I see what you're doing. You're putting me now, you're putting me in the right headspace now. And I think it's not as clear in this first episode that this is the kind of show that it is, right? If you just watch the first episode, it's like, oh, this might just be a vaguely cerebral dark comedy. But especially as we get into season two, it becomes clear to me that the show has almost like a therapeutic energy <laughs> to it that like Natasha Leone is like working through her shit with her parents, working through her shit with herself and her identity and like using a lot of like surreal film motifs to do that. Huh. Okay. Okay. I don't know why I wasn't primed to see all that. I, I've, I've only watched the first season and we're only talking about the first right. episode right now, but even watching the first season, I didn't pick up on a more deeply Jewish thematic elements than in any other show that has a lot of Jews mm -hmm. in it. Right. But you think it's more pronounced. Yeah, I think it's more pronounced. I think I have a different perspective coming back. This is my second time watching season one. So I have sort of the whole show in my head when I'm thinking about it. And also, I think it's intentional that, you know, we sort of slowly descend into the more like deeper themes, right? It wouldn't really work in the television medium to like start off with the crazy shit, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. We have to dip our toe in first. And I think these these two moments, which we've already identified of the joint and the yeshiva are like dipping our toe into here. And also, I mean, the dude who she fucks, whose name I forget and whose name I honestly don't want to remember. Mike. Mike. Oh, yeah. Mike. He's like always yammering on about some pretentious shit. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. It's like they were both trying really hard to try to see if they could get the other person to like reject them at the end of the night. You know, even though they were mm. going home with each other, it's it was absurd. It was like they're both talking and saying ridiculous things. They've bagged someone and they're not like, yeah. all right, I bagged someone. They're like, all right, I bagged someone. Let's see if I like open the bag this way, if they'll like hop out. Right. Let's see. How just can I like, get them? to hate me it's like they don't care mm -hmm. they performatively don't care yes so another reason that i wanted us to talk about the show and that i think this show is really cool is that a lot of listeners may not think of something like reincarnation and rebirth as a very jewish theme but it is an extremely jewish theme what really it has a storied history in judaism the most obvious example is this prayer which many jews who say the morning prayer service say every morning and we get from brachot 60b when one awakens he recites elohai neshama shenetata bi tehorahi atabarata atayatsakta atanefachta bi weta mejamra bukirbi weta ati litalami mini my God, the soul you have placed within me is completely pure. You formed it within me, you breathed it within me, and you guard it while it is within me. One day you will take it from me and restore it within me in a time to come. As long as the soul is within me, I thank you, O Lord my God, God of my ancestors, Master of all worlds, Lord of all souls. Blessed are you, O Lord, who restores souls to lifeless bodies. So, oh. there's two things going on here, right? One is that resurrection of the dead in many different times has been a huge 
core tenet, right? It's in Maimonides' 13 Principles of Faith. Yep, yep, sure. That we believe in resurrection of the dead. So already in this prayer, which is like an essential part of the morning prayer service, we have the concept of a soul being restored to a lifeless body. This is not even like later Kabbalistic stuff. This is very early. You know, there's a teaching that's reflected in the morning prayer service, basically, that when we sleep, our souls like go up to heaven and are hanging out. And we're like basically soulless, somewhat dead <laughs> during that time. And God either chooses or doesn't choose to send them back in the morning. And that's part of the reason why we say the blessing is because we got our souls back. So that obviously is very highly relevant <laughs> to this show, right? Yeah, okay. Okay, yes. Yes, it is. I brought a couple other fun sources. This one is just from Zohar, Volume 3, 99b. All souls must undergo transmigration, but men do not perceive the ways of the Holy One. They do not perceive the many transmigrations which the Holy One accomplishes. This is basically oh. a reference in Zohar to how God is uh, moving the souls around all the time, doing all kinds of moving souls to different places. Oh, and we're just not aware of it. Yeah, and we're not aware of it because we are not aware of the supernal ways of God. And then this last one is just a, a list of definitions from an academic article about Kabbalah, which I think is relevant. In the Kabbalistic literature, three types of reincarnation are mentioned. Gilgul, aka the transmigration proper, in which a soul that had previously inhabited one body is sent back to the earth to inhabit another body. Ibur, impregnation, in which a soul descends from heaven in order to assist another soul in the body. And very famously, Dibuk, a very late concept in which a guilt-laden soul pursued by devils enters a human body in order to find rest and has to be exercised. Whoa. Okay. All of those. Okay. Wait. The, the first one, Gilgul? Gilgul. Whoa. So that is a Kabbalistic idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't find the original source for the concept of Gilgul, and also I have to say, in this aspect, I'm deeply limited by my understanding of Zohar, which is very minimal, and my comprehension of Zoharic, uh, what's the, Aramaic, I kept wanting to say Amoraic, and I was like, no, it's a different thing, Aramaic, my deeply limited understanding of Zoharic Aramaic really stops me from being able to do super good research on Kabbalah, and I freely admit that it's not a expertise of mine, but I think I'm within my bounds to say the idea of reincarnation of a soul in order to accomplish its metaphysical purpose is an established idea in the Kabbalistic literature. That is wild. That is wild. It's something I did not know. Yeah. So, obviously, I sadly am not yet friends with Natasha Leone and have no way of telling us what her knowledge of Kabbalah is. Natasha, if you listen to this, let's be friends. But whether consciously or no, and I think there's a good chance that it was consciously because it just takes like a Google or a story you heard from a weird family member yeah. to have these concepts banging around in your head. And so already in episode one, we've got the potential ghosts of the Yeshiva boys. We've got Nadia's own spirit coming back again and again. We've got the symbolic ghost of Yeshiva culture. You know, yeah. you have the, the idealized ghost of Israeli culture, you know, probably. Mm -hmm. Right. I As soon as she offered that joint, I was like, 
do they do that? It's like, what? I thought Is you guys are all like living in 1940s kibbutzes and stuff. Right. Exactly. But guess not. Guess things change. Guess not. So I just brought that basic reincarnation stuff for this first episode because this episode is sort of establishing the themes of the show. And these texts are sort of establishing the themes of reincarnation in the Jewish tradition. So I think within this episode, it's sort of like hinting at where we're going to be going. I have a question. What do you think Natasha Leone thinks of modern society like that kind of whatever the like artsy lefty wealthy kind of scene. like the scene that she her character is in in this show basically you're asking like perhaps what is she saying about that scene with this show Do you think she's saying like stuff about like secular society i don't know i feel like this will come up a lot as we go on with this show um it's one of those pieces of art where I don't really think there's anything to get, you know, I don't think there's a grand message that can be summed up. I think it's more an attempt to share complex experiences. So, yeah, sure. If I were to read it just based off this show, what I would say is that she thinks there's some good parts and she thinks there's some pretty shitty parts. There are some parts that are a mess and there are some people that are just like using the vibes of a subculture to hurt each other. And there are other parts that like people are trying to be nice to each other and take care of each other. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I like about this show is that it's portrayals of its characters are complex in that there is no good guy and bad guy. There is just like a bunch of people and they do some stuff that sucks and they do some stuff that's cool. Yeah. As of episode one, everyone just kind of generally sucks. Yeah, and we're just we're just setting the table yeah. just now, you know. So we haven't had time to redeem anyone yet. Oh yeah, also Natasha's ex, who is still into her, comes to the party and tries to like get them to hook up again, and Natasha is not not having it. That's right. That's true. Uh, that's another thing that happens in this episode. Yeah, uh, they get into a. F- funny conflict with some out-of-towners at the bodega there's like these three bros who are like being really rude and confrontational so natasha like sends them off gives them bad directions so that they end up in at like some abandoned building yeah i don't know there's a lot going on in this first episode yeah that's season one episode one of russian doll fucking transmigration of the soul our lives are a party happening in the shell of jewish culture Yes. This podcast is happening in the shell. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this podcast is happening in the shell of, like, any type of social contract. Coming to you live from the corpse of the past. This is Hi, How Are You? Yep. Yep. Anyway, how did you enjoy this this first experiment of discussing this episode, Michael? Oh, I feel like I I opened your eyes to the joys of Russian doll. Yeah, you're making me... uh, Yeah, I mean, I was scared. Of, uh, yeah. of the epi a little bit but you were worried there would be real good stuff to talk about I, I don't know if we're talking on the pod or off the pod right now there is no off the pod yeah i don't know yeah i was just worried you like, live in a truman show-esque situation i record everything you do and secretly release it oh i just worried there wasn't really <laughs> anything to say other than yeah there's some jewish stuff yeah it's like real dark and edgy but isn't it just an extension of 
similar shows from the past, but mm-hmm. I will flirt with the idea that there's some <laughs> Jewish layers going on here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I did a convincing job of introducing the possibility that there's more going on in this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listeners, tell us what you think. Yes, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. We enjoyed making it. If you have thoughts about Russian Doll, Season 1, Episode 1, tell us about them. Ask us questions on the Talmud Hotline. Ask us questions about Russian Doll if you want, you know? Petition Natasha Leone to come on our show. Yeah, sure. So we're going to keep experimenting with this, so let us know if you like it, and we'll also continue making the great content you know and love. So prepare for more delicious cocaine-laced joints of Chai, how are you? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.